What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Billie Jean King. I have a saying that pressure is a privilege because I grew up dreaming about playing at Wimbledon. And I always try to ask myself, am I going to make pressure a friend or a foe? The tennis champion, activist and trailblazer. She really is iconic. That's why she gets mentioned in the same vein with Muhammad Ali. A conversation spanning the Olympics, her legacy of activism and speaking up in sports. Mental health right now with Naomi Osaka speaking up and Simone Biles during the Olympics. I think it's good that we own it and we speak about it. Plus the rest of the news that got us squawking, Johnson & Johnson's making moves, and dancing humans dressed like robots. Just another day at Tesla. This is the P.T. Barnum part of the job that Elon Musk is a master at. It's Friday, August 20th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning and welcome to Spock Box here on CNBC. I'm Melissa Lee along with Joe Kernan. Becky and Andrew are off today. That was not a real robot, by the way, in case you're wondering out there. Johnson & Johnson, because of that company's uh, vaccine, it's a one-shot vaccine that had lower efficacy, but or lower, uh, I guess, effectiveness, but it was just one shot. But there's a CEO shakeup, and I think of this guy's fairly young, but he's been there a while at Johnson & Johnson. Alex Gorski is going to transition to an executive chairman role. On January 3rd, he said in a statement, it's the right time as he focuses uh, more on his family due to some family health reasons. He served as CEO for nine years and Vice Chairman Joaquin Duato will take over as CEO. He led the company's pharmaceutical business uh, before, coming a dep- before becoming a deputy of Gorski. He'll also be appointed to the company's, uh, to the company's board. And Gorski, Alex, has been a friend of the show and he, the uh, he. I think his nine-year tenure will be viewed favorably, given some of his predecessors and some of the hit a myriad issues uh, under the last guy. Uh, God, I go all the way back to uh, to Ralph. Uh, then the oh, next wow. guy was. Uh, I don't have a, as good a memory as you, Joe. Yeah, but okay. the stock is up about 170 percent since Gorski took which over as CEO, which is which is pretty good there. This uh, dance performance was part of Tesla's official AI day last night. And for those of you listening, I'll paint a word picture for you. We're looking at a lone dancer in a skin-tight suit uh, doing some funky dance moves. uh, I would hurt myself. To techno music. The suit is all white. It's got a black hood and opaque black face mask. But pretty clear it's a human. Elon Musk watches from the wings with his arms folded before thanking the dancer who walks off stage. Uh, let's get to Phil LeBeau for a full rundown. Number one, the, the, if there is an actual prototype, it's, it's smaller than, than that, right? I mean, the one that they're actually talking about, Phil, years in, in the future is like only 5'5", five, five, 120 pounds, and doesn't look anything five, eight. like that. 5'8", five, eight. Five, eight. Five, eight, okay. 125 pounds. Yeah, okay. 5'8", 125 thing, pounds. But that was well, a heck of a performance, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I don't know if you like dancing. Uh, I, I can't unsee Elon Musk dancing, and I don't think I'm going to be able to unsee this uh, dancing. But my question, and my very serious question, 
to you, Phil. And, you know, he's a science fiction buff and, and talked about universal basic income yep. being necessary when we do have robots. Right. How many years away from, from a, 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 an AI robot actually being able to do those moves? Because I've seen these dogs. Because if you that see- is necessary in society to have a robot that can <laughs> no, dance really poorly. But if, but if you could have something that's that agile, I think that's years that agile, and years yeah. and years and years away. But we have seen those dogs, Phil, that, that look like exactly like sure. the, uh, yeah. if you saw the uh, War sure. of the Worlds series, the, the real right. thing looks just like the monsters in there. So how many years would you say, Phil? And, and Joe, you know, look, how many times how many times have we seen Boston Scientific mm-hmm. put out a demonstration video of uh, a robot of some fashion dancing and moving and, you know, I wouldn't say acting, but mimicking the same actions uh, as a human. So I right. think that the technology, to a certain extent, is already there. I think the real question becomes, A, how useful is this? Can it be replicated on a wider scale? Um, and, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Do you guys want me to first go over what happened with AI Day yes, and then please. talk yeah, go ahead. about yeah, let's do uh, okay. the plan for a human I bot? Okay, so we'll, we'll get the news out of the way. What did we say yesterday? This was going to be a presentation if you were really wonky, if you're into software, if you're into artificial intelligence, this was your kind of event. They basically laid out how they want to use artificial intelligence to improve uh, autopilot and autonomous driving. And, and, and look, some of the, what they de- demonstrated and what they talked about is pretty impressive. It makes you feel like, yes, uh, they're on the right path here. Remember, they are only at level two autonomy. They're nowhere close to level four autonomy, let alone level five, where you just get in the car, it goes. You, there is l- no reaction at all. There's no steering wheel, nothing at all. Tesla is developing a chip for training AI networks. Its next AI training computer will be 10 times the performance of the current one. And then at the end of this, and we said this yesterday, that he would use this event as a recruiting tool. Oh, they were flat out saying, come work at Tesla. And who wouldn't? If you're into this, you would look at this demonstration and you'd say, oh, now this is pretty cool. They're going to build a humanoid humanoid bot. And that's the plan. They plan to build it. It is expected to be ready next year, about 5'8". What, it can carry up to 45 pounds. The weight will be 125 pounds. It can lift 150 pounds. Here's Elon Musk talking about the humanoid bot and why they built it. It's basically going to start with uh, just dealing with uh, work that is uh, boring, repetitive, and dangerous. Um, basically, what is the work that people would least like to do? And by the way, I said that why they built it, why they plan to build it. Again, it is not yet built. He says it'll be ready by next year. Keep in mind, in the past, he has said next year would be the deadline in the past for certain things like a million robo-taxis. That never happened. So whether or not we see this in some fashion in the next year, guys, is going to be interesting to see. But let's be honest. This is the P.T. Barnum part of the job that Elon Musk is a master at. If you were into this, if you were thinking, I want to do artificial intelligence work, if you saw this demonstration, you'd immediately be reaching out to somebody at Tesla saying, I'm your guy or I'm your girl, whatever you want to say. And Tesla would be interested in hearing from you. And that's part of what, what happened last night. It was a recruiting pitch. I knew. I, I knew it wasn't. I knew it was a human, A. I knew, number two, it, it definitely wasn't me because of the and I knew it wasn't you Lebeau uh to be honest uh there, there's no way unless they had some kind of uh like titanium uh the, the type, type of reinforcements there so I, I knew that um yesterday we had a guy who Phil I, I know you've you've 
probably gotten some Twitter. But whenever we have Gordon Johnson on, we get all this. this uh, oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. And he made the point that you made. He's, he, he went over like five other times where there were, uh, you know, upcoming developments that Elon Musk has yep. talked about. And, and Gordon said he, it's 0 for 5. So why, why do you believe anything that, that comes out? My question is, why should we believe anything that's going to be said, said at AI Day 2 when all the prior days were defined by complete fabrications or something close? That's a little harsh, obviously, right. because it is an un- what he's done is unbelievable. Right. And he's he's suggesting Gordon was suggesting that Elon Musk is pretty much making this stuff up and trying to pull one over on people. I know you had Gene Munster on right afterwards and he said, look, has he been 0 for 5 in some of these things that they've promised in terms of when they would hit the deadline? Yes. But they have made advancements in many areas, in part because they have set these goals. We don't hear autonomy day from Ford and GM and from Toyota. Uh, I think that it is uh, safe to say is that uh, Tesla continues to advance faster than other car companies and should be rewarded on valuation. But in terms of if you listen to him and he says, we're going to do this by this date, he's even said it in the past, Joe. He has said, look, I'm not that great with these uh, these expectations It's what I would like us to do. But in reality, he even knows that uh, when he has set out some of these deadlines, it's not going to happen. If he took that. Off, do you think underneath would be one of the blue men uh, from, from that group or something? Or, or maybe from, uh, from da- it wasn't him because he's a heavier set guy. What about Daft Punk? I'm told Daft Punk uh, ha- has, a, has a similar look. Uh, it's an, Just uh, so you know, Joe, my, my son one year for, Joe, one year for Halloween, my son went in a morph suit trick-or-treating. It's around this house somewhere. I may put it on. By- that would be the best. I'm thinking, you know, slasher films never go out of style. That's a pretty scary looking thing there. And um, remember, I mean, they got they did the, the Edward Munch scream mask. They made six movies after someone thought, hey, this would be good to have a serial killer with that scream mask on. So you can go a long but way. This robot is built to be friendly and that it's a robot that you can actually outrun. Yes. That you can specifically outrun this robot just in case. You remember the Asimov? You remember what? Top speed is five miles per hour. Yeah. Just saying it's supposed to be safe does not guarantee an AI thing is going to be safe because they don't need us once they get really good at what they're doing. Once the AI is They don't need protoplasm and feeding things and excrement. All the things that we do are... We're weak. We're weak. We are weak. We are weak. And when they really get in charge and Musk is, you know... Grease in the skids towards uh, our eventual, probably, obsolescence. But, Phil, thank you. Uh, speak for yourself, right? Uh, obsolescence. I, 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 maybe I know from where I speak, but from whence I speak. But um, the future is daunting is. as we hurdle towards it. Maybe we should have thought about genetic engineering a little bit, too. I'm not making any comment. I'm not making any We're comments here. We're going to break. We're going to break. Next on Squawk Pod icon, champion, trailblazer, Billie Jean King. How she broke barriers in tennis and laid the foundation for women athletes everywhere. All of us in our 20s were willing to forego our uh, careers for the future generations. And the three things, three considerations were that any girl in the world, if she's good enough, would have a place to compete. Number two, we would be appreciated for our accomplishments, not only our looks. And number three, finally to make a living playing tennis. Plus, a conversation you'll only hear on this podcast with our own Joe Kernan, Billie Jean superfan. 
Do you want to record all this or what do you want to do? I'm recording. Oh, you are? Okay, good. All that right after this. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin spoke this week to sports icon and 39-time Grand Slam tennis champion Billie Jean King. She's written a memoir about her pioneering life in sports and beyond. And after the show, I heard a rumor that for Joe... This meeting is being recorded. Talking to Billie Jean King was emotional. Really emotional. All right, so what do we got to do? So I had to investigate. Did you see broadcast news? Of course, yeah. So you think I'm like William Hurt? That, that Billy Jean, uh, she she affects me so much that she that she makes me, you know, that you remember he he, he conjured up a tear, but it was after he had already done the thing. So mine was live. Mine was live because I I know you know I was. Do you want to record all this, or what I, do you want to do? How I'm do recording. You? Yeah. To, oh, I, you are absolutely. <laughs> okay, good. So, what do you want to know? Billie Jean King exploded onto popular culture with the Battle of the Sexes, a much-publicized tennis exhibition match nearly 50 years ago, pitting her against a former champion, Bobby Riggs. This material is from the NBC News archives. Riggs dancing in a kick line with cheerleaders and sweaters spelling out his name. And he and 29-year-old Billie Jean answered questions from the press. She can do everything on the tennis court better than I can, but I don't think that she can stand up to the stress, the strain, and for the big match. Billie, you mean to say you think I put women down? Is that what you're saying that I'm doing all the time? Yes, I do. I don't think you give us credit for having any brains at all. She sits politely, actually, in front of about a dozen 1970s microphones and flashing cameras. I get along very well with uh, a lot of girls. <laughs> it's September 1973. Did you watch it? Yeah, I, I, I watched it. I remembered it. I was one of the, the 90 million. Um, I, I didn't remember why. I mean, I thought it was a given that Billie Jean now would, would win. I didn't remember that he had beaten... Margaret Court. Margaret Court, yeah. Not, he did. Not, yeah, not that uh, prior. So it was not a slam dunk that, that Billie Jean was going to be. He, I think, was he also a Wimbledon winner? I think I think he also won Wimbledon. Is that true? Yeah, his career in the 30s and 40s was huge. Oh, well, he's a pretty good tennis player. So um, <laughs> so to, to take that on with, with, you know, the entire feminist world basically on your shoulders, I think that was more of the same, more of the same pressure. Plus, you know, he was a male chauvinist pig. He said that they know, as I know, and as Billie Jean knows, that there's no way a woman can play tennis with a good man tennis player. I mean, he God. was a total pig. I mean, that was the kind of stuff that went on back then. So, you know, we, as I said, we've come a long we've way. Come maybe, a long but way. The, and, you know, he derided her and made fun of her. And, and he was everything a male chauvinist pig was thought of, thought to be back then. So there was a lot of drama. It was a great... Um, 
you know, thing to be able to sort of the media to be able to promote and sell. And it's the biggest, more people watch that than any sporting event in history. Some people in professional tennis are mortified at the circus atmosphere surrounding this match. But all the hoopla has done one thing. It has gotten a lot of people watching tennis. George Lewis, NBC News, Houston. I don't like to, to get into age and experience and wisdom and everything, but in my lifetime, there were separate lunch counters in the South. So when Billie Jean was, was coming through all these things, there were a lot of cultural and societal things happening. It was the 60s and 70s. And, and I thought of her, I guess, as just a, a really tough-minded tennis pro and, and watched everything she went through and didn't realize the personal struggles that she was facing. And I guess when you go through so much adversity, and she did, and, and, and if you reach, there were times where she was unable to stand up for what she believed because there was money involved and there were, you know, there were sponsors involved. You know, she, she admits that she didn't feel comfortable with who she was till she was in her 50s. So you can imagine the struggles through her 20s, through her 30s, through her 40s. And yet she was still able, you know, to be one of the, the greatest tennis players of all time. She really is iconic. That's why she gets mentioned in the same vein uh, with Muhammad Ali or, you know, that's where sports trans can transcend everything else. And, you know, just become a really important, I don't know, it, it moves society forward. It moved all of us forward. Stand by, Joe. Up on the cue. Live sports uh, have come a long way back from the depths of the pandemic last year, but the Delta COVID variant is now a big concern. Uh, leagues and organizers uh, for everyone. We just saw a summer Olympics without spectators. And late last week, the U.S. Tennis Association reversed its decision to allow full capacity at the U.S. Open, uh, which starts later this month. Fans uh, will now be banned from the tournament's qualifying rounds. Join us now uh, to talk about that and so many other things. Former tennis pro, Sports icon uh, Billie Jean King. Her new memoir is called All In, an autobiography. Billie Jean, uh, thanks for joining us. And we'll, we're going to talk about things that, other than COVID, but that is front and center for, uh, for uh, a lot of us. I still am trying to figure out who the other 99 people in the last hundred or in the last century were as influential as you. But that's 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 really something being one of the most influential people of the century. And, and I wouldn't disagree with that. Who are the others? Many others. I don't know. <laughs> you talk about Life magazine. I, I do know there were no presidents mentioned. No, which was not good. Yeah. But the others, there was about two or three other athletes and Muhammad Ali. And I there you think go. Uh, Jackie Robinson. I think that was the other two. So we are in a world where, I mean, in the Olympics, some athletes said that they, they found it difficult to perform at their, their best level without the, uh, I guess, without the excitement of the fans watching this. Do you think it would matter uh, for you if you were playing today, if you were playing tennis in an, in an empty stadium? Oh, it makes a huge difference. But um, you have to wrap your brain around it if you're going to be an athlete. I mean, that's your job as a professional athlete. We are entertainers. Uh, I know what I would do. I'd wrap my mind around everyone all over the world watching. I'd really try to bring that in as if they're there with me. Um, but it's, everyone's different. Every athlete's different, as you well know, every person. Um, but it's been difficult, but we're trying to worry about safety. Uh, but And also, there's media uh, contracts. Um, you know, media content is huge. It's a huge revenue stream. Also, there's uh, gaming, betting. So there's a lot of income uh, streams coming in. Uh, when you do actually 
have these matches happen or in, in the, any of the other sports. I mean, we really depend on that money for the sport. So um, it's vital that these uh, athletic contests happen. I did love watching the Olympics, I must say, this year. Um, I loved it. I thought uh, it just was fantastic. And for, and for tennis, it was great because they kept it on one channel. I think it was the Olympic channel, uh, which I thought was so helpful. So many things in your life that, that, that I, I want to talk about. I'm looking for the, uh, the exact quote, but uh, that, are, that are in your, uh, in your memoirs. And one of the, the, one of the quotes that, that struck me was that back when you started, you were, not, you were living the world that you wanted didn't exist at that time, the world that you wanted to live in. It still doesn't. (laughs) That's what I wanted to ask you. Does it exist now? Uh, And then I I couldn't, well, I couldn't help thinking of of a, we've come a long way, baby, from Virginia. Remember the old ads for Virginia Slims, which which was the tour, which was the tour that that started with your your nine or or eight colleagues that that really put ladies tennis on the map. We've come away, but we, we've come a long way. We have a long way still to go. And a lot of it is due to you, Billie Jean, that, 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 that you, you've changed and, and helped move us along, but not to where we need to be. Well, you brought up a very important um, thing that happened in 1970 when you said eight other colleagues and I were called the original nine. We were just inducted to the International Tennis Hall of Fame. We're the first group ever to be inducted. They usually do not do that. And that was the birth of women's professional tennis. And what made it so significant is that all of us in our 20s were willing, and some actually a couple of teenagers, I think, were willing to forego our uh, careers for the future generations. And the three things, three considerations were that any girl in the world, if she's good enough, would have a place to compete. Number two, we would be appreciated for our accomplishments, not only our looks. And number three, finally, to make a living playing tennis uh, that we love so much. And we'd all come from amateur tennis a few years before that where we were making $14 a day. So that was really important. And then also getting equal prize money in the majors in the Grand Slam uh, was really important to us uh, because we were getting a different um, percentages, probably like uh, 30 to 40% of what the guys were getting. They were getting rid of events. So we really needed to step up. And we did finally... Uh, get equal prize money in 2007 in all four. The U.S. Open, which is coming up uh, soon, was the first one in 1973. Uh, so we're really, really uh, lucky that we finally did that. So women's tennis is uh, in the leadership. You look at uh, you look at the different uh, well Forbes magazine uh, every year. Uh, the women, the top ten uh, money makers are always women tennis players. Uh, I think they finally had a soccer player this year at number ten. So we've been leading forever, but we want to uplift all the other women's sports to get equal pay for equal work and type of thing. So uh, soccer's trying very hard, um, but we need more sports for women. I mean, let's just face it, baseball, American football, um, NHL, there's, no, there's nothing for women yet. You say we're not there yet. One of the other points you make in your memoirs is that uh, each generation has work to do, a continuation of what, what the last generation did. So we, and we've made it. We have made progress in, in racial issues, in uh, uh, sex, sexist uh, uh, we've issues, made, we've in, made progress. Yes. in LGBT Sorry, issues, and all these things. But, but you point out then the next generation has to take the progress that's made and then, and then take it even further. And, and we're seeing that happen right now. Well, I mean, you must a, think yeah. it's a lot better. Coretta Scott I mean, King's quote. Coretta Scott King has a wonderful, there's so many struggles, and I, I'm not saying it exactly, 
But uh, freedom is never really won. You have to earn it and win it every in every generation. So that's why Black Lives Matter. All these it's so important that everyone continue to fight for freedom and fight for representation by everyone. Becky. Hey, Billie Jean, it's Becky. I, I, I just hi, Becky. wanted to ask you. Uh, uh, hi, it's great to see you. I just wanted to ask you about that tournament with Bobby Riggs. Like, how much did it worry you? Um, what would have happened if you didn't win? Would, uh, did that it, weigh it, on it, you or did you not think about it at the time? Oh, no, no, no. It weighed on me tremendously. Uh, that's probably one of the reasons I won the match because of that uh, thought that, that if I do lose, what's going to happen? Because we just gotten Title IX passed in 1972, which was the first time that schools, that private, public, high schools, universities, colleges, uh, finally, when they received federal funds, they finally, for the first time, had to spend it equally on men and women. Uh, and also, before that, we had classroom quotas for women. Uh, if you wanted to be a, a, you know, get your doctorate at Harvard, they only allowed 5% of the classroom to be women. The reason the women win uh, so much at the Olympics is because of Title IX. We finally got athletic scholarships for the first time after 1972 when I played Bobby Riggs. Um, we couldn't even get a credit card on our own still. So we, I had a lot, to, lot on my mind. Um, also, women's tennis is only in our third year of um, professional women's tennis. So I didn't want that to go south, and I didn't want the men's tennis end to go south either. So... Uh, I just really, really had all that on my mind. It, I knew it was about social change. I knew it wasn't just, it wasn't about tennis. It was about social change. So that's, that's why it was so important. But what happened is that you couldn't get on a tennis court after that match, which it, our game just exploded after that match. That's amazing. 90 million people. So, Billie Jean, it, you know, it, we need you to, to, I want you to weigh in on a, a lot of things, and, and uh, the Simone Biles and, and Naomi Osaka situation, and, and I know that you, 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 like everybody, had to think, think it through. It, it, it are, these are complex issues. Uh, I also wish we had time to talk about uh, Renee Richards and trans, because you, you dealt with something long ago, and in the book you, you talk about how, after it was all said and done, Everybody was glad that, that Renee Richards was able to play the women's circuit, was able to, uh, she's a great lady, and, uh, it, you know, every, after the decision was made to include her, it, the people were happy about it uh, across the board in tennis. So it, can we translate that to, to how to handle this today? Do you, get, you have the answers for this, for these well, things? Well, Dr., Dr. Renee Richards was phenomenal, and uh, she was a transgender woman, and we were the first, to, I think, to have a transgender woman on our tour in any sport, and uh, it was a great education for me, and she's a great friend and my ophthalmologist still. She's retiring soon, but um, it translates into everything. It's, uh, mental health right now uh, with Naomi Osaka speaking up and Simone Biles during the Olympics. Simone did the right thing because it helped her um, help the U.S. team win medals, and she was very courageous, I think, to talk about it, and Naomi has been. Uh, we do have to address it. Because you listen right now during COVID, more youth are having challenges, they're depressed, uh, things are not right. So I think it's good that we, we own it and we speak about it. Uh, because when you own something, your feelings, like if I can, the book, it talks about me having an eating disorder, it talks about my sexuality challenges and the emotional challenges I had. Um, when you can really talk about it and have people share in it, it does help. And also to take ownership of whatever you're feeling. Uh, is very, very right. important. Eugene, how, how do you think about balancing the, the issue of mental health 
and being a great performer. And the reason I, I, I'm asking it that way is because in many ways, a great athlete, when you, when you put on a great performance on the court, it is about effectively being able to tune out the distraction, being able to tune out the noise and tune out what might ostensibly be described as mental health issues that we all confront. Yes, but I think it's good um, we confront them because I think uh, we have a platform in sports. Uh, but I always try to think about, uh, I have a saying that pressure is a privilege because I grew up dreaming about playing at Wimbledon. And I, I always try to ask myself, am I going to make pressure a friend or a foe? And we are performers. We are athletes, but we're really performers. We entertain. We're part of the entertainment world. And I think as we're growing up, it's really important that we have rookie schools uh, that explain the challenges because part of our job is to speak to the media. The media, without the media, for instance, women's tennis would not be where it's at. Uh, we would not be getting the money uh, that we're earning without the media. And that, does, that means traditional media as well uh, as social media. But we need both. And I, I know when I used to sit in the room after every match and talk to them, most of the time they're only guys, but eventually we had more and more women. Um, but I always th thought that each person there, this is their job. So we're all helping each other have a job and make a living. Uh, and we're kind of, we're in this together. That's why I've always approached the media. I think I've always thought that you can either make them a, a friend or a foe. And I've always, I've always got, I love writers anyway, and I love people who, Right, and so I always got along well with them, but I spent a ton of time getting to know them as human beings. But we're really all in this together. So I, I, I would try to get athletes to understand: if you want to be a performer, if you want to be a professional athlete, then this is what goes. This are the obligations that go with it, and it's not easy. But and maybe there's a different way we should approach it now. And I think I always listen when young people speak because. They're the next generation of leaders and to make change and how do we want to make positive change. There's, you know, we've got climate issues. We've got all kinds of issues. So uh, this mental illness, I think it's important we address it. I think it's good we're talking about it. I don't know if there's a different way to do it, but I used to always take at least five minutes. I used to say, I can't talk to anybody for five minutes. Throw my rackets across the locker room or whatever. Tell everybody to get out. But then, you know, at five, you know, after five, ten minutes, then you just, okay, I'm ready to go do my job with the media. Billy Jean, the, there, there's stuff in the book. We take it for granted, all the things that you went through. We don't remember the, the environment. I mean, I, there were still separate lunch counters in my lifetime. So we don't remember what you went through and how difficult it was for you. And you didn't always, maybe you weren't always as, looking back as, it, there were times where you probably thought, I wish I had even been more. But, but no one could have done better and has done more for, for all these things. And I, I, I just, having looked, looked through the book, it's, I wish we could talk more about that. We have breaking news, and we've got to go, and it's past 830. But thank you. But, but, but please have a, uh, come I back shall. on. And, and I'd like, because you, you, you had to struggle. You had to struggle, and you're the, who you are now is a product of just a, of an unbelievable a victory over, over all those struggles. So it's great well, to have you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, 
packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. And that's Squawk Pod for today, and it's Friday, so for the week... Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Thank you to Melissa Lee for sitting in to talk about today's top stories. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, would you be so kind to give us a rating or write a review? You can do it right in the app. That's it. Have a good weekend, and we'll meet you back here on Monday. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.